and welcome to our Truly Scrumptious podcast, where we talk food festivals, festival food, foodie friends and friends of the festival. In each episode, we will chat to some of our many friends, our celebrity chefs and bakers, food producers, festival team and other people involved in the festival world. We'll even hear some backstage gossip. It's a huge world. It's a hard-working one and great fun too, although a tad stressful at times. My name is Lottie Duncan, and I'm a food presenter, writer, and eater. We want to bring our food festivals to your door, your ears, your living room, and most definitely your kitchen. So draw up your chair, pour yourself something scrumptious, take the weight off your slingbacks, and join us within the world of food, festivals, and foodie types. In this episode, I'm chatting with my boyfriend number two, Stephen Carter Bailey, catching up with my matey Alex Hollywood, talking Christmas cheese with Carolyn Hopkins, and gossiping with Simon Brown, our stage compere extraordinaire. But first, Stephen Carter Bailey, handsome, witty, brilliant baker, and mine, all mine! you gorgeous gorgeous creature um finalist in the eighth series of great british bake off you have cooked for great such as ian mckellen and i want to know about that because i love ian mckellen in 2019 you won the great new year bake off but more importantly than that more important than anything else you have achieved in your life you are my number two boyfriend that's that's your Much greatest achievement. Of my mother. <laughs> I know that I have to fight other women off, like Susie Pelter, you know, mm. Alex Hollywood. I have to fight them all off. But no, you are mine. Susie's more of a stalker, um, which is fun. There's a place for everybody in my world. But you do rank quite high up there with mum, aunt, sister, girlfriend. Um, <laughs> And your I haven't mom... told my dad about you because he'd be thrilled to bits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a phase. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Your um, your mum loves me anyway. She thinks I'm she fabulous. Does. Yeah. She thinks you're, you're the best. Yeah, so, I've had a long chat with um, her. We've we've arranged all the flowers for the wedding and everything, so it's... Oh, it's... no, you promised I could do that. No, darling, no. Bride's priority. Well, I, I get to pick your dress then. Okay, you get to pick my dress. Okay. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So I'm just trying to think back to when I first met you and I believe it was the BBC Good Food Show and I think it was your first time, wasn't it? You popped my proverbial cherry, you did. We met, I was so excited and I mean this genuinely because you were my first sort of, I suppose, celebrity liaison but outside of the tent, you know, with Paul and Um, And my agent had said, uh, you've been asked to do the winter festival, the winter stage at BBC Good Food Festival up in Birmingham. It was uh, sponsored by Magimix at the time. And I developed this recipe, which I actually made yesterday still. My sausage rolls get made every year. Um, and my agent was sort of, didn't fail to tell me anything. She just said, you've been doing this, this and this. Um, and you're, you're going to have a compare on stage with you. And I said, right, okay, what's a compare? <laughs> I had come from marketing, so I didn't know what a compare was. I had a vision of like a wedding, you know, a wedding DJ. She said, no, if somebody was with you on stage, she'd be helping to promote the product and talking you through everything, asking you questions. I said, oh, that sounds good. That sounds great. I, you know, I really, that sounds like I really do that. And um, I arrived on the day to find out it was, are you ready for this? Lottie Duncan. <gasps> now, I was a 
huge, and I still am an avid, avid watcher of um, the Food Network. Uh, and I, I love it. I know I, it's like my, a lot of people put BBC Radio Two on in the background. My mother is one of them. I put on cooking shows, or baking shows, not the baking ones. I put on cooking shows in the background. They are therapeutic. And this time of year is when you get uh, is it Jenny Barnett? Yes. Barnett? Yes. They all get yeah. repeated. They all get repeated. And I remember watching every year. I'd watch you being just you, which <laughs> I'll leave that to your listeners' uh, <laughs> subjectivity, um, on the Food Network. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, Marty Duncan, she's a celebrity. She's a celebrity. She knows other famous people. I'm going to be interviewed by a celebrity. And I was a little bit awestruck. I really Aww. was. Not all, but I was totally, I was excited. Um, and it was a great day, and we, we got drunk. We you got drunk on stage. Me. We did rum. It was rum. What did you cook? So you've been. It was the sausage rolls. It was, it was the sausage rolls. Yes. It was sausage rolls, and then I did a, not a vintage, a festive sticky toffee pudding. That's made right. With mince meat, and then it was a rum caramel sauce, and you were feeding them with sips of rum from the can. I was. And I was a bit. I was a bit tiddled. By the time it came to serve me, I was so red faced. There's a picture of me with you. I've got. I've still got it on my Instagram. It's a picture of me with you, and I am really quite red in the face. <laughs> It was really funny, and I remember. My favorite and I remember your sausage rolls. Didn't you put pork scratchings on top? Yes, you did. I still do. Yes, you do. I did. I was teaching a class the other day, and I talked about other things that you could put on top because you could put. I do a chorizo and cheddar one. I put cumin seeds on top, and I said actually, if you do pork, classic pork, just crumble up some uh, some pork scratching and you know sprinkle it over the top. And they also wrote, "Isn't disgusting?" And I said, "Don't turn your nose up at it. It's pork." Yeah. It enhances the flavour. It, it does add the most delicious flavour. Yeah, it was, it was, they were wonderful. I thought that was so clever and inspired. I did. I well, really thought it was me. brilliant. It's you. It's you, my love. <laughs> so from there, I said, come and do some cookery demonstrations at our food festivals. And, so, and you have never looked back. And so every year, yeah. we get together, we flirt, a little bit of smut. Mm. We did get told that now. What did we do? It must have been a BBC Good Food, and it was last year when I did the masterclass stage. And you, you, it was you, wasn't it? Yes, yes, I was there last year. And um, an audience member came up to me at the end. I mean, he was—he said it very tongue in cheek. He said, "I didn't realise this was so top shelf." (laughs) (laughs) Did we do flirt outrageously right under the nose of John? Um, who just allows it to happen? It's easier just to allow it to happen. It is. Well, he knows there's no chance that he's he can yeah, ever. It really isn't. Yeah, he's just got to put up with it, really, hasn't he? Mm, entirely. He has to just accept what what it is, and yeah. he, he is un, unbridled love. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, every year. I mean, I, my first sort of foray into your your festivals was Tame, um, and it was. It's not a million miles from my house, I, and I love the town and. It's one of those festivals where, I know you won't mind me saying this, it's not the biggest one out there, no. but it's one of the no. most, it's notorious, the right word. That's, I like that, notorious. <laughs> well, no. Good. Infamous. Infamous, notorious. No, it's one of those festivals that everybody seems to know, regardless of where you are in the country. It's a bit like where I live in Tring. It's the tiniest town in the world, but everybody knows it for one particular reason. Everybody seems to have heard of the Tame Food Festival. Um and it was, it's, it, I think it's got this lovely sort of farming quality about it. You know, people bring dogs, kids, there's, uh, it's, there's a band, there's food, there's just the smell of smoked meat in the air and 
cakes and biscuits and it's just it's a, you know it's it's an attack on the senses which nobody minds no oh that's really kind and you came to our one in Bradford on Avon as well a couple of times I did yes uh, I have friends who live down in Bromham and in Devizes so they they would come along because we would go out to Bradford on Avon on days out when I would visit and so I was excited to do that one too and again it's a lovely community event and I think most importantly at the heart of both events is the sense of community because it does focus very much on the town in which it sits and also the local food producers but they are so popular that they do attract businesses from all around and that's you know that's the sign of a good food festival is that this existence where people are willing to travel including myself yeah and um, you can come back next year because we've got um um, in Bradford, we have a masterclass and interview stage next year. So Simon's going to be hosting our lovely Simon Brown, who's actually, I did an interview with him. He's on this podcast, this particular episode. And um, he's going to be doing, we're sort of doing masterclass, sort of interview, kind of laid back sort of thing. So do come along. It'd be lovely if you came to that oh, one definitely. too. Yes, I do. I love them both and I love the atmosphere. And, you know, you can, I get to go back and see new you know, new and uh, repeated customers coming back every year. But I also get to see my little friends who are the organisers. And I every year I, I see the same faces again and again. Anna, 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 and there was another girl, Amber, this year. And um, they're going to be back. And I was I interviewed her the other day for this. And just chatting to her about it, she's such an important, integral part of the festival. And people don't realise that when they watch you guys do your magic on the stage. And it is magic when you send the recipe in, Steve, on time. Absolutely. Oh, no, come on, come on. Who was the first to send the recipe in? Well, the first time ever you sent it in early. <laughs> <laughs> normally, I'm normally gonna, I'm like two I weeks was, to go. Can I have your recipe? Um, I was in Ireland when you when you messaged me, and I had made the cake the day before because it was a Guinness and Baileys cake. I know that's cultural appropriation. I shouldn't say it, but it was my <laughs> Irish family. Yeah, I, my Irish Indians, and I had made it the day before, and they were they were sort of beside themselves on how delicious it was. And you emailed, I said, "Oh, why not just send that through?" <laughs> and I think I think you must have fallen off your high heels. I did completely. Am I a... You got a response. <laughs> <laughs> Well, even even Anne, even Anne was like, "What?" Having them there not only makes the day, it makes the build up easier because I know if I said to Anne, "This is what I'm doing," and I missed an ingredient off, she would email me and say, "You do realise you missed butter off?" And I go, "Oh my goodness, I have. Thank you so much." Because she doesn't just buy all of the ingredients and you know have them there. She prepares it so I can chop and chat with you, or sorry, with Simon or who or Susie, whoever's comparing with me. So I'm not distracted going, oh, where's the sugar? Oh, no, they haven't weighed the butter. And I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but this, you know, you have to remember, she's a home economist. We have those in the tent, and I have them in my job now. I have home, a team of home economists who support me so I can teach or I can perform, and that my mind isn't elsewhere that I can focus on my job. And the pressure that takes up is immeasurable. And so I often, you know, we, we, we're friends on Instagram, and we often chat, and I, I love to look forward to seeing her and I love driving up to Tame because I know I can just rock up it's done I can walk in she's done everything to the, to the letter and I go on stage and we have a great time and that is you know it's not just 
and it's a lot of other people's job and my sort of point that I, I'll go and hug you first and then I go and find out and just make sure that she's okay. I do want to shout out to Simon as well because we, you've heard about he does his research. He doesn't just do his research, he knows me better than I do. <laughs> so, He's he, got a soft spot for you, Steve. He really oh, has. It's, it's mutual. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's such a charming gentleman and I think mm. he's a lost, uh, a lost accolade in a lot of people. He's, he's a true gentleman and mm. he, yeah, he's a real sweetheart. And that, you know, having somebody, again, who knows about you and doesn't, who sort of says, oh, you did this, this, and this this year, he's, you know, that's when you're watching a show like this, when you go to Tame or to Bradford and you're watching a food demonstration and it seems seamless, it's because of the team behind the scenes. Oh, it's so kind of you to say, and I think it's quite unusual, you know, a lot of festivals don't have that sort of backup. And that I've always said, because I, you know, been on the other side as well and, spent many years t- tipping up to places where there's been no support in the kitchen you just think oh good god I've got to you know how am I going to do this they haven't got any equipment they haven't got this or that so I've always said if we're going to do it we have to do it what I would expect you the year that you were in was Mary there or was it Prue no first year Prue did it it was the first year Prue yeah that's right I, I took Prue's virginity use of mine yeah you do know that I was um, up for that job I, I had a, I know, I an audition I well. say again I know why you didn't get it either oh why is the that the would have been fraught with sexual tension <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason it would have been too much <laughs> sexual tension for you are funny I think I, I mean I love Prue and you know I, I, she's a dear friend and I, I, I love her and she, she's perfect in the job but I still when you told me that I thought I missed the trick you missed the trick <laughs> That would have been that would have been an interesting duo. Yes, yeah, I think so. I I would love to have done, but then of course I'd have seen you, and our eyes would have met across the table, and that would have been it, wouldn't it, darling? I would have won. You would have won. You would have won. I have to pay it's a slot, and I would have won. Yeah. At least I know I I uh, you know the winner won on merit. So um, just very quickly, Ian McKellen, what did you do for him? Because I meant to say... Now, careful, because I could have I said something entirely. <laughs> I made him a cake. Let's yes. Just make one thing very clear. I made him a cake for his 80th birthday. His 80th birthday was pre-pandemic, wasn't it? So, 2018, 2019, maybe? Um, it was his 80th birthday. He was doing a tour of the country. He was going to various theatres throughout the land. Um, and he did the most wonderful show of his life. And I, I, I'm not a Shakespeare aficionado, um, although I am sort of often taken to... Which I love. He is incredibly talented, as we all know, not just as Gandalf, but as a, as a reader and a writer and a wordsmith. And I made him this cake, it was a chocolate cake, and it was arranged through a friend of ours, a mutual friend. And I, I presented it to him at the theatre backstage. And I hadn't, I'm not, I don't get starstruck, apart from with you, I don't get starstruck. Because you, when you've met so many, they kind of just become, and I don't, I don't get wrong, they're, they're, you know, the ones that work hard and deserve recognition do get it but I don't fawn and I I suppose if I'm honest I had any of us really seen him in Lord of the Rings um apart from a couple of shows maybe so I was aware of his war you know how great he was but I sort of trotted along through the theatre and I had this cake in my hand I waited and waited in the green room and he walked in and I froze on the spot immediately froze I was lip-locked with fear not terrified fear but just dumbstruck fear. He was the most oh, sweet, gentle, kind man. I was, Honestly, I thought he was going to be awful to me, but he wasn't. He was so kind. 
he kept calling me dear sweet boy. Oh. Which was, it was charming, but also quite sort of homoerotic at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that because he was 18. But, you know, he was so charming and mm. mildly flirtatious, but not in a crass way. He held my hand and thanked me dearly. And he and it was only because he suggested we have a picture that I have a picture on Instagram. Had it been left to me, I just been stood rooted to the spot, staring, you know, at this incredible man because I was so dumbstruck. So yeah, it was really that was one of my favourite times. But it was a brief ten minute encounter. So um, from the sublime, complete to the ridiculous. Now I'm going to ask you a final question, and um, this is your Fifty Shades of Food. So this is something that you would like to eat on your own, with a curtain <laughs> shut, the door shut, maybe naked because it's a bit sticky and messy. It could be in the bath if you wanted to, but something a little filthy that you'd really like to eat. Your Fifty Shades of Food. What is it? Oh. Ah. One thing. Oh, you can have as much as you want. Well, don't because. If there's more than one, though, I might have to join you. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is not this is not as easy as it sounds. Um, because oh. filth. Filth. It's not. It's not filth in in sort of a. Um, as in, it's not filth, and as in, is it's naughty food because we don't agree with naughty food, and everything's fantastic. No, this is this is. Um, just something's a bit sticky, and and perhaps you just don't want to eat it in front of people because you know. It's sticky toffee pudding. Sticky it's toffee pudding. It's, it's, it's not, I think, mine. Yeah. It's, it's a pudding of some sort, and it's usually steamed or, or sticky. So Christmas pudding will be the one. I'll, I'll switch the Christmas pudding for one day of the year, obviously, which is coming up. Yeah. Um, it's sticky toffee pudding. And it is, A, because it's the easiest thing to make. And I mean it's the easiest. I teach it in one of my classes, and it takes us 10 minutes to get it ready. And, and everybody's in awe of this, this sort of transformation from ingredients to actual product. Um, but I make it slightly spiced. Um, I add uh, cinnamon and cardamom and a little bit of um, nutmeg. I also add tahini to mine as well, which is just divine. And then I, and when I say I cover it, I mean it's a 50-50 ratio of mm. sponge to sauce. And it's a rum caramel sauce, and we made that together on stage. I then drizzle it with pomegranate molasses and top it with... Um, sweetened cinnamon, um, slightly whipped cream. And that I eat, don't eat in front of people. No, well, I can imagine. Purely more for the volume. <laughs> the noises, the oohs and the ahs you make. Um, you've got, you have. It is, it's, I mean, I am, no, I'm very vocal. Mm. You know this. Yeah. Very vocal. And I, I show appreciation through, of pleasure through my, my voice box. And I will moan and ooh and ah. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Nigella when it comes to expressing my my adoration for mm. good. I mean, good food. Like a sausage roll will mm. get tongued gently and then the butter, oh, it just, oh, it just, everything makes me excited when it comes to good food. Mm. Um, but that pudding is by, by, you know, it sort of outstrips every other one of them. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good food out there that I would do that over, but that is one that I will sit alone with. Um, but you're welcome to join. I know you wouldn't, you wouldn't judge. Which wouldn't judge me. Um, but it's, I think it's because it's so simple and yet so sublimely delicious. Mm. Well, you had me at sticky. Mm. 
All right, my darling. Well, listen, it's so lovely to see you. I get a bonus because I usually just see you at the food festivals and I'm so busy, but I actually get to, you know, spend time talking to you. It's been really lovely. It's a, it's a real well, treat. We, we, it was a fleeting and brief visit this year because you were very busy and I was busy and I was caught up with all of the other Bake Off alumni that, uh, that uh, frequent the festivals. So um, this is a nice little Christmas bonus. Yeah. Like. It is. It's good. And you're looking gorgeous. It's been so lovely. It's been so lovely to talk to you. And you're such my handsome, lovely boyfriend number two. Oh, Stephen. I know we only meet up a couple of times a year. But every time we pick up where we left off, usually flirting terribly with a smidgen of smut. Now, another lovely man. One I've known for 20 years. We first met on the set of Great Food Live, a daily TV food show where he was the kitchen gadget man. We became good friends. And I've been to his wedding when he married Jeremy and many fabulous parties. Simon Brown is the very best compare and has worked at the festivals for 10 years or so, hosting and interviewing. He makes all of our chefs and bakers relaxed and confident on the stage, and he spends hours researching them so he knows everything and asks all the right questions. He's fun, efficient, works the stage like clockwork, and is kind, considerate, and very knowledgeable. We're so lucky to have him. I managed to grab him before he went onto the stage at Tame Food Festival. Hi, Simon. Hello, Lottie. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm really well. It's really nice to be back. The sun's shining, and as usual at Tame, the whole thing is running like a well-oiled machine. And I think that's purely by chance, isn't it? That'll be nothing to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> Total fluke. Total fluke, yeah. We actually yeah. managed to do it this year, and we ordered sunshine again, which is good. No, uh, honestly, I have to say Tame is the best-run food festival of any I do, and the atmosphere backstage is always so much fun. We laugh a lot, a lot of hard work, um, some great guests that we have on stage, whether it's Bake Off people or MasterChef winners or just someone who's really passionate and runs a restaurant locally or makes their own artisan food. It's a really interesting bunch of people and they're always so much fun to chat to and you can, you can feel the audience soaking up all the information and just loving the knowledge that these people are imparting as they cook. I just know with you and with the team behind, I don't have to worry. And that is for, for an event organiser. You just want everybody to be so brilliant at what they do that you don't have to worry. That's not something you have to, you know, it's, it's an area that you just know that's going to be fine. And you talk about a well-oiled machine, but that is down to you guys and how you host the stage. It well, really is. It, it's because I want the person who's cooking, the person who's on stage, to look as good as they can because it's not about me, it's about them. So if I can do anything to help them give a really good, entertaining presentation, whether they're cooking, whether they're just chatting about their passion, the thing they produce, that's what I'm here to do. So I try and put as much effort in, as possible into focusing on them, and it's not about me. And also, some of them are quite shy, and some haven't actually presented before, so it's a really important job to actually make them feel at home. I think uh, it... I like to think it's a bit like reading the news. It, it looks blooming easy if you're doing a good job. Um, but underneath the water, you're swimming crazily like a swan. And as you say, sometimes if people are very quiet, very shy, um, they, want, they want to perform well, but they're just excruciatingly shy and they go silent. So it's about teasing the information out of them. And it's interesting if you work some, with someone over consecutive days because you can see they gradually loosen up and, and become more and more confident. The other side of it is when you've got someone who is a wind-them-up-and-off-they-go person, one of the Bake Off team who have done this many, many times, you've got a chance to relax a little bit and have some fun because um, 
you know, whether it's somebody like Giuseppe, who, who won Bake Off last year, whether it's Stephen Carter Bailey, who does loads of shows, you can start having a, a little joke with each other and you can tease each other and they'll tease you. So the whole thing becomes more lighthearted and, and you can almost relax for a little while. I've noticed over the years, um, because of the, the rise of Instagram and Reels and people being able to just talk to a camera in their own home, when they then suddenly see a load of people, they think, oh, hello, hold on a minute, I've never done it in front of people before, I've only done it in front of camera. So they, you know, I actually think what you do is train people as well. They don't realise, but they're probably, you know, you're giving them your experience and you're chatting them before about what, what's going to happen and how we're going to do this. And you can actually help people get better. You know, they, they might be completely rubbish and you're making them fantastic. Instagram is a different format, as you say, um, performing well in your own house to a camera is completely different to doing this and you need different skills and this is all about eye contact with the audience and, and bringing them along with you and you've got a room full of people who want to enjoy themselves but you can't assume that they're, you've got them immediately you start and you've got to have some charisma and you've got to be interesting. And, that, and engage, and that's yeah. very difficult to do if you're used to just engaging with a small lens on your desk, on a webcam. So this is a whole different thing. Um, but I agree, I think that's certainly the way a lot of food is being promoted and, and recipes are being uh, spread around the world, around the globe, is via Instagram and social media and all those different channels. And so it's something that inevitably is going to mean that we're going to have more and more people coming to these festivals being on stage who've not done this before but I think once they've tried it they'll probably love it because it's great having a, a tent full of people and it, actually that's for me been the best thing about coming back after lockdown is doing food festivals the warmth from the audience I'd thought it was good before but the last couple of years since we've been able to open up and do these again, you can feel this buzz. People are so enjoying being out with people in a crowd, in a tent, without any restrictions that they're having to be concerned about. They can just get on with their lives. And, and you can see the joy in people's faces. And the responses are just amazing. The applause we get is just so warm. Everybody's so delighted to be out and about again. When you meet people for the first time that you've seen on screen and you've no idea what they're going to be like, will they be as lovely as they seem? I remember the first time I met Mary Berry and you, you realise she's absolutely as gloriously adorable as you see on screen. A really kind, brilliant woman, encyclopedic knowledge of food and an absolute joy to work with. Such a professional, always thanks you. You always get a little message from her team the next day by email to say, Mary said this, she had to leave in a rush, she didn't have time to thank you. It's so charming. She's just wonderful. So you, you, you get a great opportunity to meet some wonderful people. And I particularly love working with the folks who've sort of appeared on our screens through the baking shows because they're just like you and me, Lottie. They're just ordinary people who love baking, love food. They've ended up in this extraordinary world of Bake Off or MasterChef or whatever it might be and then they come here and they realise that the whole thing is huge you know they're national stars and yet they're just ordinary people so they're just so giddy and delighted with the whole thing and they're having so much fun and 
they're such a warm, lovely bunch. So it's always a joy. Whenever I see anybody on the, on the list who's from MasterChef or Bake Off, you think they're going to be a joy to work with. We're going to have a lovely time because they'll be so jolly, so full of verve and, and vim and, and knowledge. They've got so much baking knowledge and some great stories about Prue or Mary or Paul or whoever it might be, Matt or Noel. They've got all the backstage gossip, which, of course, everybody which loves. Love, everybody loves that. Of course, today, actually, we have um, Eddie Scott, who won MasterChef this year. Yes, yes. And what, an, and what an, an interesting background, because he's, he's a river pilot. He navigates ships in, uh, in the northeast, and now he's, he's baking for a living and cooking for a living and is, is aiming to be a chef, a top chef, and open his own restaurant. So I'm really looking forward to missing, uh, meeting Eddie. You research everybody 100% so you know everything about them even their inside leg measurement before they ever come on stage and you know that is so important to do because also it's rude actually if you don't know about them isn't it it's insulting and I think you're very very good at you know making sure that you know you know everything well I think it's important not to open your questioning with how is your wife <laughs> And they've, they've just gone through a really messy public divorce in the sun. That's not really a good way to start a half-hour relationship on stage. So, yes, uh, it's always important to know who you're talking to. And, and I, again, it's back to this wanting them to have the best experience. It's about them. So I want them to be able to focus on what's important to them. And, and if I don't know what that is then we're going to go off in the wrong direction with the questioning. So, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time doing research and making sure I don't, I don't trip them up. I want them to look great. That's yeah. what I'm here to do. Finally, what is your 50 shades of food, sir? Your 50 shades, something you want to eat on your own with the curtains closed, perhaps without any clothes on. But it's your 50 shades of food. What is it? <clears throat> I'm only allowed one, presumably, oh, am I? you can have as many as you like. Can I? Okay. Yeah. Well, um... It's got, to be a, it's got to be probably a glass of champagne to start with. Um, and then I think to eat, I'm probably going to go for a really nice piece of pan-fried turbot. Um, I quite like a bit of samphire with that. And probably some really nice English Charlotte new potatoes. Probably steamed with a little bit of butter and parsley. Am I being too precise? No. Well, no, because no. most people say pot noodle, but you carry on. No, <laughs> I'm not going to say pot noodle. No, so we've got a piece of turbot with some samphire and some nice new potatoes. Yes. And then I think probably homegrown courgettes from the garden. Oh, nothing like Can it. we go for the yellow ones and the green ones? Because yes, we have to grow the yellow ones. My husband says they're not as tasty, but I just think they look really nice on the plate with the green ones. The ridge ones, I was oh, going to say the green ridge ones, so they're very delicious. Yeah. They cook at a different rate, so you have to steam them separately. Yeah. Um, and then for pudding, it's going to probably have to be um, a vanilla baked cheesecake. Probably that Delia Smith recipe where she says, slightly dictatorially, and now turn the oven off and leave it overnight so that it doesn't crack. That one, we'll do that one probably with a raspberry coulis on the top and quite a lot of double cream poured over. Whenever I go to a restaurant, I say, could I have some cream with that? And they say, oh, it, it comes with cream in it. You say, no, no, I, I want some cream as well. Because anything is better with cream, even a bath sponge, really. <laughs> Tip some cream on it. I mean, it's edible. Well, thank you 
Simon. You know, you are absolutely adorable, and you're going to be doing this for me forever because you're just lovely. Well, thank you, Simon. Thank you, Lottie. Love I love you. you too, and thank you for the opportunity to do it because it is my favourite show of the year. Yeah, well, and also, do you know what Mary Berry once said when she came here? She said it's the best outside show she's ever been to. I think that's absolutely yeah. true, and yeah. it's because of the effort you two put in, you and John. Uh, to make sure that everybody on this field is as passionate about food as, as you and I, and that really shows. My mate Alex Hollywood comes to all of our festivals. Not only that, but we spend many an hour on Insta Live and our chop and chat sessions. We literally chat, drink, chop and laugh with all the people that join us. We started these in lockdown and we still do as many as we can throughout the year. Here I am catching up with her recently over Zoom. I'm here doing a Zoom call with Alex who's sitting in her beautiful home. I can see it behind you. It's looking gorgeous and Christmassy yet. Are you Christmassy yet? I am really Christmassy actually, Lottie. I can't believe it. I've actually done this. This is the first time this year I've been ready and I'm feeling a bit smug about it because every other year I've always thought, oh no, give yourself you know, loads of time, you'll be all right. And then I panicked in the last couple of weeks. But I think I can safely say I've got it all under control this year. So yeah, it's all good. I want to talk about us because we were doing in lockdown, we decided to do something called Chop and Chat. So that was you and me on Instagram Live, one of us cooking, one of us chatting, and we did that for weeks. And I think we are due another one, aren't we? We must do another one. Um, but, you know, we had great fun doing that, didn't we? And it helped. I think it helped us all during lockdown. It did. And you know what? I think it's more than weeks, actually, Lottie, because I had a look back over my Insta. And, I mean, lockdown seemed to go on for, well, it did. It went on for months, didn't it? So we actually did this for, for more than weeks. We did it for months. And... Apart from the fact we had a lot of fun, because we did, didn't we? We had so oh, much yes. fun, we carried, it, we carried it on after um, lockdown. But it was just such a great thing to do. And I, we suddenly realised, well, I know I did, that it was a wonderful way of connecting with people outside and, and having this wonderful interaction. So, yes, you were cooking one week, I was cooking one week. But we were also sort of having these wonderful chats with people coming on board and asking us questions about what we were cooking, what we were doing. And it was... The thing that I think we both agreed on was that it was a bit like having your kitchen open and having everybody to come in, you know, like we had a glass of wine or a glass of gin or whatever and a cup of tea and everybody came in and joined us. And it was just kind of like um, a big party once a week. And we really have to do it again. I know, I, I'm sure you have as well, but I've had lots of people saying, are you going to do them again? And we've both been really busy. You guys have been sorting out the incredible Tame Food Festival, which I must admit, I love. I mean, other festivals as well, but Tame is up there as one of my absolute all-time favourites. I love coming to that. I love doing it. But I can only imagine how much work goes into that. So um, I can see that it's it's sort of taken up a lot of your time. So food festivals. Bradford-on-Avon, you came to our second year and you came and cooked on the stage there, which is brilliant. It was a very hot year, wasn't it? Oh, it was boiling. It was absolutely <laughs> boiling. I drove, um, I drove up from Kent or down, whichever way you look at it, and it was a scorchingly hot day. I couldn't believe how many people were there. It was actually fantastic. But what was really funny, I think I had, I was doing some sort of dessert with, with whipped cream. Possibly not the best idea when it's <laughs> the same sort of heat as the Sahara. And we had so much fun on the stage. Everything kept on collapsing, but it was just brilliant. I did the, the tame one after that, which, again, like I said, it's one of my all-time favourites to do. I love doing that. Of course, you were only there a couple of months ago, and we were, again, we were quite lucky with the weather. 
and you joined us on the Saturday and you, you come up from Kent with your posse all your girls every time which is just great it's lovely to see you and um, I always kind of find over the weekend because it's so busy and a little tad stressful I find I don't chat to people enough you know I don't get to speak to them because I'm about to talk to somebody then I get a phone call and I have to run off somewhere and I have to deal with this or deal with that so it's always a little bit it's a shame I can't talk to people and spend more time with them which is why we have people like Liz in the green room I'm in the green room you always kind of think when you think green room it's going to be some really posh thing lots of um, <laughs> the back of a tent of, of, yes red m M&M. Or smarties, everything's picked up, you know, lilies everywhere and that sort of thing. But it's the back of the tent. But you know, we get around the back. It's it's so funny. Everybody kind of mucks in. We have a nice cup of tea. We have a catch up. I mean, I love it because as I arrive or as I leave, there are people who are going on the stage that I haven't seen. Like you know, Val, lovely, and of course my lovely, gorgeous. Well, he's your sort of your uh, adopted son or husband. And oh, he's my num- number two boyfriend. Number two boyfriend. Number two boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, I got to meet Giuseppe. What a lovely man he is. Isn't he so nice? Um, and yeah, it's just, it's lovely to get out on that stage. Simon the compere just does us proud. He's brilliant. He knows his stuff and he makes everything really smooth. And again, you know, when you're up there, well, you know this, Lottie, you know, we've got all these lovely people in front of you. And I always think, again, it's a bit like cooking in my kitchen, but there's like a few hundred people there as opposed to 10 and I want to be able to chat to them say you've got to concentrate on what you're doing you've got to concentrate on the food you've got to concentrate on associating and you've got to chat to them and the comp has jobs to make sure that all of that runs smoothly and do you think that makes our our festival quite special it is and I think it's really important that you have a really good relationship with the places that you that you do these food festivals I mean Lottie look you know I am really lucky the food festivals that I choose to do are fabulous and each place that I go to they have been wonderful with me I have heard obviously from you or other people that maybe things like that don't necessarily run as smoothly I and I think for me going on I want to go somewhere where I know I'm going to meet my lovely friends they're going to have my back everybody knows what they're doing and so that when you get out on that stage like I said you can just you can do your thing so tame is one of those ones that I think yes I feel super comfortable and I love everybody there And then you go shopping, because every time I see you behind the stage, um, if I'm flitting in and out of the green room, you come back with another load of bags and, and your girls have got another load of bags, because you go a bit bananas in the artisan food market. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I really do. I mean, I, I, I will go around to all of the things. I love going around tasting. I love going around to catch up with all the producers, a lot of food you know, that you have had for many years coming back again, and they've got new products. I like catching up with them, finding out what they've done. We tend, me and my girls, my team, my crew, we go around and we taste everything. And then, of course, once you taste it, you think, oh, my word, that's so good. So you buy it. It's part of the whole experience. I think going to a food festival, great to get ideas, inspiration from the stage, seeing people doing stuff um, is really good. Recipes, new recipes, new recipe ideas. But also, a lot of the things that you have there, they can be used, all of the products can be used in whatever is being made on the stage. So it's a no-brainer, really. That's why I drive off and I pack the back of the car and I'm, I'm as happy as Larry. So I'm going to ask you this little question I ask everybody, and it's called Fifty Shades of Food, Alex. So this is food that you'd like to eat behind closed doors with the curtains shut. A little bit messy, might have to eat it in the bath. Something a little bit, oh, I don't know, cheeky. I'm not going to say naughty because we don't do naughty food because every food is, every type of food is delicious. But it's just something you just kind of want to just do on your own. Okay, 50 shades of food. What have you got for me? 
thinking. Cold rice pudding. <gasps> Out the tin? Yeah. Oh, what, from that place near um, Cornwall? Yes? Yeah. Yes, the tea. <laughs> I <laughs> like bad. that. That's so good. <laughs> it's the one thing. I, you know, it's just one of those things. That and custard out of a tin. Yeah. I've got to have, I've got a little bit of, just, you know, it's quality control. Got to taste it. But I think it's something to do with it being a taste of your childhood. It's almost, what do they call it? Nursery food. That sort of simple, plain, sweetness, stick to your ribs kind of things that I look I love homemade rice pudding I would I would eat a whole saucepan of of rice pudding that I've made myself but there's something a bit naughty about eating it straight out of the can but yeah cold rice pudding yeah oh. I, I totally agree. I love cold rice pudding and the cold custard too have you got um, a favorite cheese because I know we, you and I have a bit of a love for cheese Oh, I know, Lottie. Let's get this straight. It is not a love. This is a passion. This is uh, this is borderline obsession with cheese. We know this. It depends on the time of year. At the moment, right now, I mean, apart from the things like uh, for the cheese board for Christmas, they're epois. Got to have epois. Got to be really stinky. Got to be really ripe so you can put your spoon and spoon it out onto the cracker. Utterly delicious. Reblochon, because, you know, I love things like tartiflette. But you know what? The thing that I am totally passionate about right now, you can buy it in Marks and Spencers. I don't know if you can buy it in any other supermarkets, but I'm just saying it's Marks and Spencers. I don't know if we're allowed to say that on here. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. It's a podcast. Yeah, okay. It is their truffle cheddar. Oh, my word. Have you not had it? No. (gasps) Gosh. you could shut the door and not have Christmas and just eat this. This is just the most incredible thing. You need to bring it up. They keep it in the chiller cabinet, obviously. Make sure it comes to room temperature. Cheddar is excellent. It's truffle cheddar. I'm just going to finish up with this, but I mean, you're you're such a brilliant cook, Alex, and you do so much. And I know that, you know, when I look at what you do on, on Instagram, it's relentless, isn't it? You're always putting out amazing reels. You're filling your website with lovely recipes for everyone. You know, it's, and I think, and you've a great following of people who love what you do because they see you as somebody the food that you cook Alex you don't have any boundaries to it you cook whatever you want to cook um and that's what people love so are you you're going to carry on doing this aren't you you're not going to stop no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop I mean I, I think at the moment you know things are a bit kind of they're, they're, we're in a strange in a strange place with cooking and cooking and baking there are a lot of shows a lot of people you know a lot of things going on people saying cook this and that with the way the world is at the moment people have got to relook at waste they've got to look at how much they're going to spend but I'm going to stick to doing what I'm doing which is basically cook from my store cupboard and open the fridge and say, this needs using up, so I'm going to use it up. And I very rarely go out shopping until I'm down to next to nothing. That's what I do. And I think that that is a really good way forward. So if anybody wants really, 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 really easy recipes, come follow me on Insta. Have a look at my website. It's free. I'm not charging anybody to join it or anything like that. It's just www.alexhollywood.co.uk. All my recipes up there. Freebie. Have a look dead simple because I love doing it I love sharing my recipes thank you Alex your house is looking so lovely and cozy and warm and you look so resplendent there in your gorgeous pink jumper listen I will speak to you very very soon but thank you very much and um, hugely appreciated to come on today and chat to me so are you a cheese pig like me 
I can't get enough of it. In fact, my bottom has been built on it, cheese and butter. I caught up with Caroline Hopkins from the Truckle Truck to talk cheese. Christmas cheese, raw cheese, blue cheese, stinky cheese, regional cheese, award-winning cheese. Yes, cheese, cheese, cheese and cheese. Was that a bit cheesy? Caroline Hopkins from Truckle Truck Fame. I mean, try saying that after a gin, actually. Truckle Truck Fame. It's not the easiest name in the world sometimes. <laughs> but it's a great name. It's a great name. So, Caroline, um, I know you from great taste because we judge mm. together. And when um, you're on my table, we always get lots of lovely cheese when you're on the table. Yeah. Same table as me. We get all the interesting cheese. <laughs> we do. We get all Because you are the cheese bird, cheese expert. Um, and often, when you're not on my table, I'll come to you for advice because, you know, you just know everything about it. And it's just so lovely to have somebody who knows everything about my favourite food. I am <laughs> a total cheese pig. I really am. I cannot get enough of it. I've always said that the last meal on earth would be you know, a dining room table stacked with different cheeses and just, oh, yeah. just work my way through. <laughs> I'll be groaning under the weight of the cheese, me too. <laughs> exactly, it's wonderful. So you, um, tell me a little bit about yourself because, I mean, I've, I've only met you probably in the last sort of eight years when we've been judging. Um, but prior to that, how did you get into the world of cheese? Um, sort of by accident, which happens quite a lot with people in cheese. I don't know why. I, uh, I took a Christmas job. It was meant to be for a couple of months in a deli. And just loved it, discovered this wonderful world of cheese and fine food and stayed there for 13 years. Gosh, and that's it. And you've never looked back. Exactly. And when, when we closed the old deli, I then started the truckle truck and sort of took the, the cheese on the road. So let's just describe this truckle truck to everyone because it's amazing to look at. It's turquoise, the most beautiful turquoise with yellow writing, truckle truck emblazoned on the side of it. And it's an old... Um, vintage Citroen van isn't it and it's got a name what's what's its name uh, she's called Susie Susie so when you're not with us at the food festival um in Bradford on Avon you are in Shaftesbury aren't you regularly um in the markets yes, there my, my home pitch. and you're probably and you're about to get into your busiest period with Christmas it's just coming up it's sort of it's you know chutneys and things are picking up now but cheese it's just that little bit early and what's your busiest day uh, the 23rd of December Every That's year. it. <laughs> it's absolutely rammed. <laughs> That's the one. And I remember last year when we left um, our food festival, where, where you were, we'll go into that a little bit more, you gave us the most amazing little package to take home, which we were so grateful for because we'd been working so hard and John and I sat down on the Sunday night and buried our face in all the cheese that you'd given us. It's, it's, it was... I know how I, I know how early you guys start work on the on those mornings for the food festival and all the prep that goes in. So you earned it. More <laughs> it was such a treat. It was so lovely. So let's talk about the food festival. You come along, um, and you've been coming now for I think it's every year, haven't you? Since we started, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, you've, you've been there just pre-COVID. Just pre-COVID. Yes, of course we did the first one. Then we were scuppered. <laughs> Then we went to two days in 2021, which was, of course, the hottest um, weekend of the century, almost. I mean, that was just... And you must have been frying in that van. It, it was cosy, let's say. <laughs> I miss it now. I have to say, I really miss it at the moment. Oh, you must be freezing at the <laughs> moment. Kind of <laughs> um, and then, um, and you know, you come every year and you do these beautiful... You bring all your beautiful cheeses and you sell really well. And, um, and you do cheese plates as well, don't you? Um, so yes. people can picnic. Yeah, and just sort of, you know, not everyone wants sort of big, heavy, hot food at festivals, particularly in, in hot weather. 
So a little bit of less cheese. We had uh, salami in the past, all that sort of thing. And just a nice little sort of picnic feast. Oh, that's just lovely. And you're coming back next year? Coming back next year. Possibly, fingers crossed, with a, a little new string to our bow, if things come together. See, now, are you allowed to tell me what this little string to a bow is, or is it a secret? Yeah, potentially. Yes, it's not guaranteed, but hopefully it's uh, it's going to be serving, <laughs> completely goes against what I just said, raclette and tartar sauce. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> runny, <laughs> <does> it all. <laughs> runny cheese. <laughs> runny cheese. Oh, oh, oh my uh, favourite. We've sort of done a little bit now and then, sort of dip our toes into it. But uh, it, it was nicknamed Filthy Cheese when I was doing it in Sherbourne. So that, that will be the, the trailer, will be the Filthy Cheese trailer. Oh, Filthy Cheese. God, I just love it. Runny cheese. You know, you give me a Vacheran. And for people who don't know what a Vacheran is, it's it's literally liquid at room temperature, isn't it, this cheese? Basically, and, and this is peak Vacheran season. It's, it is. Uh, it's the peak. And it's an alpine cheese, isn't it? And you is it alpine or yep. just around there, isn't it? Just uh, in the yes, hills? It, it's from the, the Jura region. So That's it's right. right sort of on the edge. Yeah, right on the edge of it. And um, you open it up and you, I actually could dive in, right, roll around in it a little bit and I just eat my way out. <laughs> just, God, I love that cheese. It is my favourite, my absolute favourite. So I got, I was just, th- you know, John and I were talking about different questions um, that we would ask you. And I think it, I think it'd be really interesting to talk about a Christmas cheese board and what you think is ideal, well, which we'll do in a minute because I think it's, everyone's sort of thinking about that at the moment. But here are my questions. The stinkiest cheese. What is the best stinkiest cheese? Uh, we've got a fantastic local one. It's made just up the road and just just over the Somerset border called Renegade Monk. Oh, yes. Yes. Which is a wonderful name. And it, it's ale washed. It's very slightly blue. And it's out of this world. It is it is by far the smelliest cheese I've ever come across. <laughs> intentionally, that one. And, uh, and yeah, it, it's rather spectacular and quite unique. <laughs> so, so how would you recommend keeping that then? Would it be in about five bags inside your fridge or in the shed? <laughs> um, eat it quickly. <laughs> so it, about, it does hang about, you know. And then, yeah, pop it in a Tupperware and just every sort of day, just put a bit of fresh air in. What's the strangest cheese that you've ever come across? Actually, I've got one at the moment. I've got a couple in just for fun for Christmas. It's called an old blue brain, oh. which is as bonkers as it sounds. The, the the blue brain is a Swiss cheese. It's a little sort of dough like that, and it's blue on the outside. And as it ages, it gets really wrinkly and looks like a brain. And then they take it very, very old. And all that blue on the outside ends up looking a bit like peppercorns and it's slightly crunchy. And it has the most just, frankly, bonkers flavour. It's sweet like the, you know, the, the Brunos, the Norwegian cheese. It's sweet like that. It's almost marmite You get a real sort of edge from that, that crunchy blue stuff on the outside. Ooh, it's just bizarre. It and sounds it's nuts. polarising. It is, <laughs> is polarising. you like it and you can't figure out why. What do you think is kind of like the most underrated cheese that people sort of just walk by? You know, and you, and you think, go on, give it a go because it's so lovely. But people just, well, I don't know. I think it, it's the British territorial cheeses which is sort of a whole category of them. And they're so sort of light and delicate and people think, oh, they're really boring because they've had the not very good ones from supermarkets that are just sort of mixed up together. But a, a, yeah, a really good Lancashire, a Caffilly, a Wensleydale, they are sublime cheeses, they're excellent. Yeah. And they are definitely worth a try. I think people have rediscovered them, I think, through lockdown. What's the sort of best everyday cheese that you think everyone should have in their fridge? 
Um, it's probably going to sound really boring, but a good cheddar. I mean, I'm in Cheddar Country. This is the heart of Cheddar Country. I grew up around here. And you can't beat them. A really good, classic, sort of reasonably mature cheddar. There's something for everyone's taste as well. There's really savoury cheddars, really tangy ones. So you're going to have something that's going to suit everyone who's popping around for a visit. You can cook with it. It's perfect. I love a, a really tangy cheddar, one that sort of just starts to scrape the top of the roof of your mouth off. You know, when, you, when you've when had... And that little bit of acidity that's really giving your cheeks a run for the money. It's going, wow. Yeah. Yes, I love a cheese like that. that oh, lovely, lovely. What about yeah. the best sort of fun cheese? So when you have it on a, a sort of... It's a talking point, and it looks quite fun in the middle of a cheese board. Huh? I mean, there's all sorts of, of sort of interesting things. Um, Favourite one at the moment in the counter... Is a, is a truffle labousse. Mm. So labousse, is, this is another Swiss cheese. This is from the same guys that make the blue brain. But labousse is quite a gentle little cow's milk cheese. And what they do for Christmas, they chop it in half through the middle. They mix curds with mascarpone and a lot of truffle. They don't hold back. They use big thick slices and stick it back in the middle. And when you open it up, it sort of it looks a little bit squished and a little bit weird. And then you taste it, and it's just heaven. Christmas now so on the um the 23rd in Shaftesbury everyone's got to come and find you yep. haven't they because you're and you can't miss you with your turquoise no. little truck there's no way the massive queue um so yep. what would you recommend then for the ultimate Christmas cheese board um the star of the show has got to be Gorgonzola it's oh, always Gorgonzola. I love a Gorgonzola. <laughs> oh my God, I love a Gorgonzola. I'm about the only cheesemonger in the country that that sort of doesn't have Stilton as a top top spot, and it, it just gets knocked out of the park by my Gorgonzola dolce, which is, is yeah, really special. Quite spectacular as well. We have a big one, which is that's what's hard. Do you almost have and to scoop on. it with a spoon because it's so perfect? Yeah, yeah, it, it can be slightly tricky to handle, but you know, lots of practice. So, what else would you recommend? Uh, so I've got some very special. I've got a limited amount of this year's Supreme Champion from the World Cheese Awards, which is the Vodafiltigen Gomino Gruyere. I've been practicing that. <laughs> <laughs> and what's so special about it? Um, it's people think they know Gruyere, and when I've been talking to people in Shaftesbury about how I got the awards and saw this this cheese one, they say, "But Gruyere's really boring." And this is this is spectacular. It's nutty, it's fruity, it's complex, it's got little savoury notes to it. it. It's not it's not a cooking cheese, not least because it's not going to be cheap, but it is super special. And just a little sliver on a cheese board will uh, wow everybody. Oh, God, that sounds amazing. <laughs> anyway, what else would go on there? So we've got the Gorgonzola, we've got the Gruyere. Need something sort of non-cow, sheep's and goats type style. And I've actually got a mixed milk one which is a French one, comes from the Basque region in the Pyrenees, and it's called Tom de Cher Rebi, which we shortened to Chevrolet, makes it a lot easier. And that's, you get a sort of sweetness from the sheep's milk, a little bit of a sort of farmyardy funkiness from the goats. Semi-soft, so it's not super hard, and it's not so farmyardy that it's going to put people off. People are going to enjoy that. Oh, that sounds good too. Um, one other thing, what's it? I mean, the truffle loose is, as we spoke about just yeah, now. Yeah, that's quite gorgeous. Christmassy. Yeah. Yeah, and it comes in in this beautiful sort of hot pink foil that they wrap it in, which oh. is great because the cheese ball can look a little bit beige. Yes, it can do. That's absolutely true. <laughs> would you Bright recommend? Would you recommend a bit of the brain on there as well? Maybe just to. Yes, if if you've got adventurous guests. Yeah. 
Because it's, it's an interesting flavour. Even the younger one, it's quite sharp for a blue cheese. It's got that real sort of lactic, yogurty edge to it. Yeah, so, it'd be so quite, that's quite fun. Be a bit of a talking point, wouldn't it? Um, you know, when you're judging yeah. cheeses, we, you know, we have. I know different cheeses. You mm. look for different things, but ultimately, if you are somebody who's buying some cheese from anywhere, be it a supermarket, be it from you, be it from a food festival or market. <laughs> What is it they need to look for in, say, three different categories? Say the cheddar, a soft, um, a rindy one, and a blue. What What is it to, so you know they're in peak condition? Okay, so with something like the cheddar or any of the hard cheeses, you want to look out for sort of changes in coloration. So if you get a patch on something like a cheddar, it might go sort of a darkest orange colour. That means it's drying out and it's not been kept very well. And that's not good. Um <clears throat> You do get with cheddar, you get some blue through it with a traditional cheddar, and that's fine. Don't worry about that. Um, it's perfectly normal. Some people won't have it unless it's got blue through it, which is quite fun. Um, what else then? Uh, blue cheeses, probably blue cheeses. Again, if it's starting to dry out, cheese doesn't like being dry. It likes being a little bit humid, slightly damp. Um, so, yeah, look for it sort of crumbling around the edges. Looking a bit too over sort of brown as well isn't isn't great with cheese and it gets a little bit ammoniary um, doesn't it you've got that sort of ammonia it can do if it gets a bit too old yeah that's that's not a good sign yeah. if, it, if it smells like a baby's nappy stay away <laughs> if it looks it looks and smells like a baby nappy do not go near it that's a really good and then the no. soft rind so the, the breeze and the um you know the wash rinds what what do you sort of look for in yeah in those um, they can go two ways. So again, they can dry out and they'll get quite hard, quite sort of dark around the, through the paste, which is the middle bit of the cheese. Um, with the rind, if it's starting to go grey or slightly slimy, that means it's, it's been too wet. Um, if it's starting to go a little bit orange, that's okay. If it's very orange, unless it's a washed rind, if it's like something like a brie or a camembert, orange isn't great. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. That's perfect. And finally, <laughs> this is the question that I ask everybody um, yeah. is, and it's, it's, it's your 50 shades of food, Carolyn. So this is something <laughs> that you want to eat behind closed doors. Maybe the curtains are closed. No one is watching you. Might get a bit sticky, might get a bit messy, <laughs> might be a little bit embarrassing, but it's something you actually don't want to share with anybody else except for yourself. What would it be? And it could be as filthy yeah. as oh, possible. You're asking me for my favorite cheese, aren't you? I could be asking for cheese. I could be asking for something else. <laughs> I've always had, and, and I've had so many arguments with, with sort of food experts about this, a real sort of weakness for, for you know, Christmas tree chocolate. <laughs> Christmas tree chocolate. Really terrible quality chocolate. I really like it. <laughs> I know so, it's bad. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so you'd be very happy just to shut the curtains and eat your way through the Christmas tree? <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Final question, cheese strings, yes or no? <laughs> no, absolutely not, never. Your face Unless it's Aligo, you, know, you know the mashed potato with the cheese. Oh, God, Aligo. Now, you see, Aligo, <laughs> I would actually dive into that and do a bit of breaststroke yeah. and then get myself out. I mean, that is, God, <laughs> that's everything you love, isn't it? I know, that's the ultimate simple 50 shades, isn't it, really? It is. I think that would be my 50 shades, just sitting in a bath of that. <laughs> the curtains closed <laughs> and a yeah. lay and maybe a ladle <laughs> and the ladle yeah, yeah. but now hanging about with teaspoons of pork <laughs> no, exactly 
<laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you so much for, for coming on the oh, podcast. Um, so I will see you Great Taste Judging as next year in the spring because we'll be doing a whole load more of that. Um, in the meantime, have a really lovely Christmas. I hope um, that you, you know, sell out completely on the 23rd. I think you probably will do. Yeah, that would be. Have a very happy <laughs> I will too. And you, my darling. And thank you so much. It's really, really lovely to talk to you. You're welcome. Thank it's been you. great. It's been great fun. Carolyn, what you don't know about cheese, you could fit on a stamp. Well, that's it for this episode. It was a bountiful time spent with four fabulous individuals who offer so much to the world of food. Next time, I'll be chatting with Eddie Scott, MasterChef Champ 2022, learning all about some delicious Greek produce, talking cocktails with Andy Clark, and wrangling chefs with Jackie Supple. See you then. like listening to our podcast we just love producing it if you think you know someone that would enjoy listening to it too please share and pass on please like and follow us on the platform you listen with we are on instagram truly scrumptious podcast and of course there are our festivals where this podcast stems from bradford on avon food and drink festival and tame food festival website links are on our profile but just google them and you'll find us and buy tickets to visit thanks again for listening